This is Mom Goals. With world-class professional soccer player, Allie Long. Today's guest is Jessica Gross. She is a novelist and an opinion writer for the New York Times. Her new book is titled Screaming on the Inside, The Unsustainability of American Motherhood. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband and two daughters. This is my chat with Jessica Gross. So you had a a tough first pregnancy. Can you tell us about it? Absolutely. Um, So I found out I was pregnant on my second day at a new job. Um, That was after my husband and I had stop trying because you're always <laughs> pregnant <laughs> at the, at, when you think you you stop trying and it always happens that way um and I got really sick pretty quickly so I had hyperemesis which is um, extreme morning sickness so just throwing up all day every day without I wasn't sleeping I wasn't keeping any food down um it is what do you the most- do in that situation like you are really sad (laughs) (laughs) um in extreme cases you have to get hospitalized and get fluids um I was nearly there but not quite but I did lose the sort of uh medical definition is losing five percent of your body weight and I did and so you know they're the only food I could reliably keep down and this was like maybe once a day, if I was lucky, I could keep down a clementine. No way. Yeah. And I, a little bit of water. That was it. That was you all I was girl. really getting. Yeah. It was, it was really bleak and I got incredibly depressed and anxious. Um, and I will never know if that was sort of because of the hyperemesis or for other reasons, because, you know, mood disorders during pregnancy are so complicated. Um, but yeah, I was a hot mess and I ended up having to quit that job after about two months just because I couldn't function. I couldn't go into the office. I couldn't do my work most days. Um, I just had to put my health first. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that without, you know, worrying about health insurance or, you know, we were on my husband's health insurance and, you know, at least for, um, about a year, I took off work nine months to a year and we could afford to do that. And so in a lot of ways I was lucky, even though certainly at the time (laughs) it didn't feel that way, but yeah, that's what happened during my first pregnancy. It's crazy because you think about women that are in the situation that don't have that ability. And it's like, what would you actually do? You physically, you know, cannot go to work. You can't even get out of bed. It sounds like in those extreme situations that uh, plague so many like females. And it's just crazy to think like, what would you actually do in that situation? I think about it all the time. And as, you know, stressful as that time was, um, I think the amount of anxiety we are putting on moms who have fewer resources than I did is just inhumane. It's unconscionable. Can't do this to people. They need to be able to take care of their own health and their baby's health. Um, And it just, I think there's probably no worse feeling in the world than not being able to do that. I totally agree. Um, So can you tell us about how you started to write your book, Screaming on the Inside? Sure. So, I mean, the ideas that sort of started occurring to me during that first difficult pregnancy, which now shockingly enough to me is 10 years ago. I can't believe I have a 10 year old. It's 
incredible, just sassing in my face every day. Um, (laughs) But um, I started thinking about these ideas and just the way that um, I think in the United States, we just don't have a lot of support for parents. And the ideas really crystallized for me during the pandemic, because I think that was a moment where all of the systems of care and school and everything just fell apart. And I think um, parents in particular just felt really unsupported, left out to dry. And so um, I think as that was going on, obviously I was living it, I was reporting it, I was um, talking to all parents from all different walks of life for, um, you know, every day for work. And so it just really felt like a moment to shine a light on all these issues that obviously predated the pandemic, but were really highlighted by it. I read a piece that you wrote in the New York Times and I resonated with me so much because I have twins and I'm playing, trying to come back and play professional soccer right now. And finding a nanny was probably one of the hardest things. And right before um, I got to um, into market, which is where my club team is in New York, um, the nanny was like, I'm actually not coming because she was from Montana, like literally like three days (sighs) before. And I'm scrambling. And I think literally one of my friends was able to reference her to me and she's been amazing. But the lack of like childcare um, and your piece on that was, I thought, really important. And I don't really know how to fix it, but uh, I just think, yeah, like the, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have an employee that kind of supported me during my pregnancy, then, and they've been so supportive in this process of me, like trying to find someone knowing how like stressful it is, knowing how stressful it is on my partner and how, you know, he has, he's working as well. And so um, I thought that was really like a really good piece by you and needs to be like broadcasted. Um, Yeah. it It was really, really well written. I liked it a lot. Thank you. And I mean, I think it's so important that people like you are talking about this issue because your job is so you can't work from home during a soccer game. Like that's just yeah, not yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. happening for you. And it's right. so it's also so physical and it's so finite the period of time that you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that as, you know, women are we do have biology that means that where, you know, you have a finite time to play soccer. You also, I mean, obviously reproductive technology exists and helps us a lot, but to some extent, a finite time to have babies and it's the same time. Like that conflict is so real, I think, for so many people in so many different fields. Um, And so I think it's just really great that you're shining a light on it, talking about your own struggles. Yeah, well, same. I think that yeah, the more that it's spoken about, I don't think people realize until they're in that situation, um, whether that's, uh, um, you know, the companies you're working for or the jobs that you have. I don't think enough people realize, um, you know, what it's like to, you know, try to work, have a kid or just be pregnant and have like, you know, you can't even eat more than a clementine and like you can't physically work and i don't think that enough people understand that and then until they're in it then they're like okay something needs to change and like myself i'm like i didn't even realize what it was like until i'm going through it now i'm stressing out i'm like i physically can't leave to go to practice and do my job and then that affects you know where i'm at the status of my team which affects my job the next year you know what i mean so it's like all related it's just really stressful really stressful but yeah glad that we found someone thankfully but still like need 
yeah, she has another job, but she's temporary now. But it's just that process of finding is it's been difficult. So I really appreciated your your piece on that. Um, a lot of what you're saying are truths about being a mom. What surprised you the most about being a mom? I think how much I laugh every single day. <laughs> Everything they do, like my kids are now 10 and 6 and they just make me laugh in unexpected ways every single day. They're so funny. My six-year-old um, did something that she says is stand-up comedy, but just involves her like <laughs> falling on the floor a lot. And it is legitimately very funny. So I, I think I didn't expect how funny it would be all the time. The other, th- the sort of like, that's the positive thing. I think the, I don't even want to call it a negative thing. It's just a real thing. Uh, my husband and I both work full time. We have two amazing girls. There is just not time in the day to like do things that I want to do. And that seems <laughs> like obvious, but the extent to which all of most of the hours of my life are filled with things and responsibilities I think you can't anticipate what that's you can intellectually know that's going to happen when you have kids, but how it's actually going to feel, um, I think was a little surprising to me. And I'm used, I think I'm pretty used to it now, but I think especially when I had, when I had one kid, it was more manageable. You had two from the, from the jump. So it was when I had the second that I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I have no time in my life for things that I might want to (laughs) do. No, I told like when I get home from practice, it's literally like nonstop. And I'm like, I haven't answered my email. My today, my Zoom wouldn't update. Like I I started this morning. I've had no time to like check to see if it was updated. I just got home. And so um, it, it for me, I totally agree. I think that like you don't realize and then how exhausted you are. It's like I actually what I needed to do. I actually feel like I physically just want to chill out while they're napping for the two hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just like, but how have you been able to kind of navigate and like, or how do you have a full-time job and feel like you don't have time to do, you know, maybe what you need to do or want to do? Man, I mean, not well. You're still like, figuring out. <laughs> well, I, well, you're still employed. So I'm still employed. I'm right. still doing it. Um, I, I think it's like, it's just triaging every day. It's like every day, what are the absolute essentials that have to happen? Like today I had, I had to revise something. It had, it was a deadline. I had to, it had to happen today. There was no way around that. While still like for me, the choosing one thing that is for me that I do that I try to make time for like at least a couple times a week. I, you obviously exercise a lot for your job. For me, it's going to orange theory. Like I have for, it's an hour where no one is bothering me. My phone's not there. (laughs) Like there's something about the way those classes are structured that it turns my brain off in like a good way. And so just prioritizing that a couple of days a week is just, I have to do it. I, everyone has their own sort of version of that, but, um, you know, it's whether it's rearranging my schedule or waking up a little earlier, which honestly I hate to do. I am not a morning person. Um, but yeah, it's finding (laughs) kind of just having one thing, just one thing that you're like, this is my thing and I have to do it. And I'm going to make sure that the structures of my life make room for this one thing, because otherwise you'll just lose your mind. Scream inside. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> um, I love that you say that because I think that a lot of moms that I've spoken to feel almost overwhelmed, like they can't do everything that they used to maybe, but it's like, you don't actually need to do everything. Just start with like one thing that makes you like really happy that you need essentially to just uh, be able to kind of like get through the next day and take it one day at a time. I think it's also <laughs> like the one thing doing. that really <laughs> fell off for me, especially during like 2020, 2021 was seeing my friends. Um, I mm. didn't see any, there was no time. There was no time. Also, no one was seeing each other mm-hmm. in person, but like, I really missed that. And I'm trying to be better about prioritizing that because just like you said, at the end of a long day, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is like put on pants and leave the house nightmare. Like who <laughs> yeah. wants to do that? So I'm trying, yeah. that's like my 2023 goal for myself is to like, see my friends more than I have been, which honestly is a a low bar since I never get to see them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like being just back in my team environment has like made me just like seeing other females and doing what, you know, we all love with the common goal has been like so good for me, like mentally and just physically everything. And um, I think that that's really important as well to kind of, yeah, make sure that the people you are friends, that just gives you so much happiness and just, yeah. So back to your book, um, what surprised you the most in the research of your book? I loved reading diaries and letters that moms had written, you know, 200, 300 years ago, because it, I think that sometimes we can tell ourselves that modern motherhood is different or more difficult or more complicated because we work outside the home in a way that women didn't, you know, in the, quite the same way in earlier eras, although some women always did, but that's sort of a sidebar. But what was interesting in reading these diaries and letters was like the sentiments that they expressed and the feelings that they had were identical. Like really? they were exhausted they were annoyed at their husbands <laughs> for like being away for three weeks and not writing. Like it was this, obviously it was in um, antiquated language, but the feelings were the same, like, you know, and they were just being so vulnerable and honest in these letters that were usually to, it was always to other women. It was like to their mothers, to their sisters. Cool. And so, yeah, just the sort of universality of a lot of these feelings was really comforting to me and honestly surprising. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting that you said that. And I think it's really cool that you did the research to go so many years back to kind of figure that out. And I love like history. So that's interesting. Did anyone have a solution back then that would help? Oh, absolutely not. No, (laughs) I mean, and I think that's what there's no solution. (laughs) There's well, I think one of the big messages of my book is just getting comfortable with like all the feelings of the, the big joys and the sadness and the exhaustion and not feeling like, how we feel about motherhood has to be a certain way because it's going to be different every day, every moment. Um, And I think a lot of the unhappiness that or guilt or shame that many of us feel is because we expect to always just only feel positive and perfect love for our children. And I think that's just not realistic or human, you know? For sure. I feel like the way I view motherhood is kind of like, I mean, with twins, I don't, it's my first. So having twins, I don't know what it's like with just one. And it's just like always chaos, I feel like. And oh, yeah. um, I feel like I'm 
somehow totally okay with the chaos in a way and people ask me at practice how are the babies i'm like like right now both of them have a little fever and i'm like it's a nightmare you know but Aww, like it's just yeah it's so sad and i'm like and they're they both want to be held at the same time so like i'm like sitting there like oh my god like it's just always <laughs> uh you know it's not easy it's not but it's so rewarding at the same time you just have to right. know like and i don't know one i mean i don't personally know mom that couldn't say that like at times it's going to be really hard or suck or you're going to feel these things but it's always you find a way and it's always like you know worth it and and rewarding and and the love you feel and and you know for your kids is um there's undoubted um how has the feedback from your book been it's mostly been amazing. I mean, I get DMs all the time from people who have discovered the book and it's really, they've found themselves in it and it's been really meaningful to them. And I've even had like really good conversations with people who the book didn't resonate with. Um, you know, there's always people who will um, yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> get what you're saying, but that's okay. Like if you have, if you say, if you're honest and you say what you believe and you're respectful with people who disagree with you. I actually find I've had like really good conversations with people who didn't agree with parts of the book. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of the overall experience has really been great. And I think I've also learned a lot, um, from my readers, um, about, you know, their experiences. I think when you write a book like this and so the book is part memoir, but it is also, I talked to about a hundred, um, moms from all different backgrounds, contemporary moms, and did all this research about his moms in sort of American history. And you realize that you learn so much from hearing these different stories and you might think about something differently, um, or some experience you had could be that maybe was negative or you felt bad about could be recast by hearing somebody else's story um, and how maybe they did that, you know, had a similar experience to you. You feel less guilty about it. Um, so I find just so many positive feelings about hearing, you know, from other people's stories and and how the book resonated with them. Yeah. I think when you hear other people's situations and it it's relatable and being able to either feel better from hearing their perspective or helping their perspective it's it's um, amazing so i i think uh, like i love everything about this book it's awesome um has there been any feedback that was like surprising to you no i think i i well i think because i've been a journalist for 20 years in the age of You've the seen internet. It all. No feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like people will say, I'm sure you're a public figure. People yeah. say wild things to you. Wild. All the time, I'm sure. Yeah. So at this point, no, nothing surprises me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, nothing surprised me. I think it's a good thing. Then you'll never, you will never, you never like have this expectation of only positive and something's wild because you've seen it all. So it's a good thing. I think it's hard though. It's like when you do tell your story, honestly, you put yourself mm. out there in kind of any way, creatively or just as a person, um, it does leave you vulnerable. And it's like, not just in terms of negative feedback, it's just like, you can get in a loop where even the positive feedback, like, oh, you need that from strangers. And I, right. I'm very mindful of that. Like, I don't want to get into a place where my self-worth is Dependent. determined. Yeah. And I think that's like the trick of social or being public person in general, but like social media at all. It's like you just, 
and it's, you know, sometimes hard to have a healthy relationship about it. But yeah, that's, that's something I'm just always kind of mindful of because it's tough. Speaking of social media, how are you going to approach it? Like with your daughters? Like, I feel like I'm thinking about what, like, I mean, you see kids on the phone all the time and like, how do you navigate that? No, I think that's a great question. And I've given it a lot of thought. I've read tons of research about it. I have two girls. So I think a lot about the body image stuff and Mm -hmm. the way that, you know, magazines and all of that um, affected my body image when I was a teenager. Um, So I have a fifth grader and uh, I I want her to stay off social media as long as possible Um, (laughs) because I think especially in those um, early adolescence years when your body is changing so much, Mm -hmm. um, I just don't want her to have all of these images in her head of what she should look like. That's part of it. But also the neat, like the one thing that I actually think is really under discussed about the social media research, a lot of the problem is that the kids are getting less sleep. Like their Mm. moods are affected because they're sleeping with like as adults, it's bad for us to sleep with phones in our room and to be on screens when we need to get sleep. Right. So I'm really mindful of that. Like, I'm like, I don't want her to have a phone or be on social media because you're that's when you're growing so much and you need so much sleep. So the compromise, because all her little friends want to text, she has an Apple watch and she, yeah, so she can text with her friends, but there's no social media. There's no, I'm going to, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to hold out, but my (laughs) ideally want to hold out on giving her phone until eighth or ninth grade. Um, so now that I've said it out loud, I can (laughs) stick to that because if we, if she can reach her friends, like, what does she need the phone for? Like, what are you doing? You're in six, you know, she'll be in sixth grade in the fall. Like she doesn't need it for other things. Um, so, um, I will hopefully try to have her be off social media till high school as well. And then once, um, they are on it, um, just try to teach them sort of good boundaries about it and, if you see something that freaks you out, like you can always come to me, keep the door open. Like I don't want it to be sort of this punitive thing where they're then they're secretive because then if right. they see something really messed up, like they're not going to tell you. So, right. you know, just teaching them basic literacy, like don't believe everything you see. Um, don't talk to people you don't know, like all of that stuff. But I have, you know, I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Do th- does she want to be on social media and are her friends on social media that like influence that at all? Yeah. So she doesn't really seem to want to be that much. Um, she and her friends like will look at TikTok when they're yeah. like at sleepovers and together. And I have no problem with that. Like they're basically just like looking at silly dances and like mm-hmm. makeup tutorials. Like innocent. <laughs> I don't like um, I'm not. I-, I-, I feel like also at some point like you can't control like they're not yeah. with you all the time you can't control what's happening outside your house and that's right. just you have to accept that as they get older um but she doesn't like I'm less worried about that than I am about her making her own content to put on and she right. doesn't really seem to have much of an interest in doing that yet again that could totally change right. and I assume as more of her friends get on you know TikTok Instagram Mm-hmm. Snapchat. I don't even know what they're doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still want Same. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll, I'm sure it'll be more challenging to, you know, navigate that when she actually really wants to. But at least for now, she is totally content to look at TikTok occasionally at friends' houses and 
it's not in our house. That's such a good idea, though, with the Apple Watch. I love that. Yeah. And you can get, I mean, some people, uh, some friends of mine with older children got what they call dumb phones, which are like cell phones that just are not smartphones. Um, so, <laughs> it, you know, you can reach each other, they can text, but like they got, there's nothing else on them. So that's I great. Think that's, it's like a way to compromise for a while. That's, yeah, that's great. I, I mean, my twins are... 10 months old. And I, I just, am like, I just see the culture of social media and I'm in it and I know what it feels like. And so, yeah. And I, I think it was also so hard. I mean, when at the beginning of the pandemic, my kids were three and seven and all of their school was on screens for like nine months. And so keeping boundaries that you would want that we had had before the pandemic was just impossible. Like you can't be like, you can't look at your laptop. It's like, well, school's on your laptop. Like you can't. So I think for a lot of parents, um, things kind of really went off the rails for a while and it's really hard to sort of yank that back. And so I'm honestly grateful that I didn't have teenage. I think even as it was challenging to have a three and a seven year old having teenagers during that time. It would have been tough. God bless those people. It just would have <laughs> So, yeah, I think that I totally um, understand that it was it just, you know, complicated time. We're all sort of just emerging from all of that. Back to your book. You speak a lot about motherhood in America. Do you see our culture like evolving at all when it comes to motherhood? <sighs> yes and no. Um, I do think that so many more Americans believe that we need things like paid leave. Like they are comfortable with mothers of young children having careers and they see that it is the only way families can function and put food on the table is and, and maintain their health and the health of their children is to provide paid leave. And so even as I was writing the book, two more states passed paid leave laws. I think it was Delaware and Maryland. And I think you know, in our lifetime, we'll see a paid leave pass at the federal level. I'm optimistic about that. And I think there's just way more conversation about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's all to the good. Um, But I also see, you know, a lot of backlash and, you know, things sort of going in the other direction. Um, And Mm -hmm. so there's always going to be this sort of push-pull. And so overall optimistic, I do think more people are talking about it. I think more men are talking about it, which is great because – part of the reason I think that these issues have been sidelined is that they're associated with women and there's still so mm-hmm. much, you know, anytime anything is associated with women, it gets ignored or diminished. Um, and so I think that more dads are being proactive and talking about it. I mean, I actually think about this all the time. Um, I've been reporting in and around these issues for 10 years and I still remember, I think it was like 10 or 12 years ago, a baseball player, a pro baseball player took a, a, like one game off. And some of some sports commentators just gave him the hardest time. Like, how could you take a day off? Like, it's, you know, I think it was the playoffs. Like, oh my God. It, yeah. he, you know, he. Meanwhile, it, baseball, baseball players have like 97 games a year. Right. I mean, it wasn't even a football <laughs> yeah, player where yeah, there's yeah. like, you know, so right. many fewer games. But I think that sort of thing is way less controversial. You see that, you know, professional, you know, sports players who are men taking time off and like being loud and proud about it and not getting the blowback that they did even 10 years ago. And I think 
they're so prominent in our society. Like that's such a sign of cultural movement forward. And I think you see that on a lot of, you know, in, in many different fields where men are saying like, I want to spend time with my kids too. Like I, you know, deserve to bond with this newborn. And so I think, you know, that's sort of subtle. And because it's not a change in law, maybe it's harder to see that that's happening. But again, even since I've become a mom, I really see that there is movement forward on that. And I think that that's great. Um, I think it's so important that you say that, like the more men that can kind of support (laughs) the women and their voices are heard and they're okay with, you know, uh, coming out that is is crucial because there's only so much that I feel women say, and it's actually like taken into account at a high level, like for massive change. And I think, yeah, the more men that can help project that um, is crucial. And and I don't want to like say we depend on men in any way, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it affects them as well. Um, it does. And I just think it's more, um, society is a better place where we think of caretaking as just a human thing that right. we all do, you know, and certainly when you carry the children and you give birth to the children, that's obviously like a different burden than, right. or, you know, or privilege, you know, it's a great, I'm so, even as sick as I was, I feel so happy and lucky that I got to carry those babies. So right. like, even as things are difficult, sure. there's, they, they still have, you know, high points. But I think as a society, the more that we all care about these issues, it can only be to the better. So. Was your um, second pregnancy as bad as the first or was it better? It was better. Um, and it's nice. mostly because there was a medication that was introduced into the U.S. market and um, approved by the FDA in between my first and my second pregnancies that worked well for my um, sickness. Um, I still felt nauseous all the time, but I didn't throw up all the time. So That's that awesome. was, yes, that was way <laughs> better for me. And I just, I think also just being prepared for it. Um, I did not, I just had no idea that could even happen before it happened to me. And so just knowing what I was getting into more, I think was really helpful. It was like, okay, we're making the decision to have this second child. We need to have, yeah, I can't go through that again. (laughs) Exactly. We needed, we, we could prepare for it. And that was just made it, even if I had been as sick, like we would have had systems in place because we had expected that to happen. Um, right. Although I do joke that like Dora the Explorer raised uh, my older daughter for six months because <laughs> like I would not, this, the medication helped me not throw up, but it, the side effect was it made me exhausted. Like oh my gosh, that yeah. is one of the known side effects of this medication. It just makes you really, really tired. And so I would just get home from work and just, you know, pick sleep. my daughter up yeah. from preschool and I would just lie next to her on the couch. I would be oh. like, I can just be night, night. a yeah. body here next to you, kind of yeah. awake. Like, yeah. I'm here. I'm not all the way here, but I'm here. Yeah. And she was three. So she was like, you know, once there, I think at least my daughter, when she was three, she was like, Independent. She was potty like, trained. She was yeah. manageable. She was like, you know, could sit and watch a show and not, you know, run around the room. And so, Oh, we I got through wait. it. I can't <laughs> oh my god, it gets like you're in it. It gets so much easier. I can't I think wait. The, for my kids, I felt I felt like the real turning point was four. Mm-hmm. Just like went. Just think what? about I have the three more three. More I know. I know I'm but just there's like <laughs> think about the day when you walk out the door and you're not carrying a diaper bag. 
Wow. I still remember I the can't. first day that happened. And I was like, <laughs> this is a dream. <laughs> this is a dr- I know. I feel like I'm like, do I, ha- I have to, I forget my things. I, like the amount of times I've left my phone somewhere inside or like something yeah. of mine because I'm like diapers, this, this. Okay. Oh my God. It's just so, it's just insane. I know. I always, to the, I am so embarrassed about the number of times that like I went to the park and I didn't bring the snacks and we had to like mooch off our friends who were like the better moms than me and remembered the snacks. Like, oh my God, I still have guilt about that, but I'm no. like, we're past that. <laughs> so you're raising your kids in the city. Do you have any thoughts on the differences of raising your kids in the city versus the suburbs? It's really a taste thing. You know, it's such a like taste and habit thing. We are super happy raising our kids here. I like the sort of upsides of it are like, you know, my older daughter is already walking to and from school. Um, You know, the sort of there's an ability to be more independent younger because Mm -hmm. you can walk places, public transportation. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you a ride everywhere. Um, And um, I like the sort of, you know, closeness and like how many people there are and the diversity Mm -hmm. of living in the city. But the downside is just like less space. You know, there's less space for everything. Everybody's on top of each other. We don't live in a house. We live in an apartment. Like, um, you know, everything's expensive. city in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I love New York. I mean, I'm, (laughs) you know, my husband's from here. Like we're New Yorkers for sure. But, you know, all the downsides, obvious. Everything's dirty and expensive. Like it's what it is. So, (laughs) you know, I I think that it's really just depends on what kind of works better for your family. I'll also say that if we had had a third kid, which we thought we would for a while, and then it just didn't seem part of the reason we didn't is because I think we would have had to leave the city. Right. Um, just for space like, reasons. So, right. you know. Well, I love New York City so much. I think it's literally the best city in the whole world. So, um, and so my boyfriend's from Montana and oh, wow. he, yeah. So like I spend my off seasons in Montana and then I'm in season. I play for New York, New York, New Jersey. We're New York, but we play in New Jersey, yeah. um, Gotham. And it's like nice that I get to like, come back home and I've all my family's on Long Island. So it's been so nice. Um, but then I kind of get like a little bit more space or a lot more space in Montana, but I just like, we're, I mean, once like where to raise our kids is going to be interesting. We're still yeah. not like, just, <laughs> I, don't where so, in Montana, I think Montana is the most beautiful place in the world. It's, it's beautiful. unreal. I know my yeah. teammates are like, are you like New York? Or if I'm in Montana and people ask me where you're from, I'm like New York, like Long Island. And they're like, really? Like, what are you doing here? But I love it. Um, yeah. in Missoula. So, oh, so yeah, I've been to Missoula just like, so beautiful. I love the mountains. Like, yeah, they're so close. It's so, it's so nice. Yeah. yeah, I've enjoyed. I was. I had. Uh, I gave birth there, and I was like pregnant there, and it was like such a nice, low key vibe. It was so beautiful, and so I really, really um, enjoyed it. But um, I always. I also feel like like when I played soccer, when people knew I was from New York, like people are like, "Oh shit!" Like she's from New York. <laughs> like they're like kind of scared of me. So I want like my kids whatever they yeah. feel like they want to do that they like have that little like reputation um behind it even if i was like nice or didn't talk to people or i talked to whoever it was just more like oh she's from new york like immediately like just like having that i was like let's go my i will say 
they are very kind of sophisticated and they like understand how the world works. And they're like, my 10 year old is constantly on guard, guard for scammers. She thinks everyone's a scammer. And I'm just like, no why way. do you think everyone's a scammer? Like who's scamming you in the fifth grade? Yeah, but like, yeah. I appreciate that she's on guard. No one's going to get anything past her. <laughs> that's it's that's so funny because I feel like my boyfriend will believe everybody. And yeah. then I'm like, no, no, no. They're trying to, like no they're you have to you have to like think like that and he's like you're just so street smart i'm like it's just i don't know i think it's like a new york thing yeah probably so i have twins who are under a year old what advice do you have for me (sighs) sleep as much as you can whenever (laughs) you can um because i'm sure you're very tired um yeah what do i i it's all the advice is i think unfortunately cliche like even as like exhausting and terrible as some days probably are you will miss it someday like I totally missed that time with both my girls even though I'm sure if you asked me at the time I would have been like I'm so tired yeah and exhausted and stressed (laughs) out and whatever um are they walking yet are they moving they're crawling climbing everywhere putting everything in their mouth they're they're not walking yet but they're you know they'll pull themselves up and kind of just like hang out there um but yeah I think at first I was like oh my god I can't wait till like they're they walk or they're crawling and now I'm like wait can you just go back to (laughs) doing nothing (laughs) for like 10 minutes yeah every Um, second with I would say that other thing about sort of that time period is it's really important to have the one friend in your life or multiple that you can just trust to vent to Mm. Um, because you'll just have days where you just need to let it all out and having someone who can kind of non-judgmentally listen to you, um, priceless. Um, (laughs) So I definitely, I still have those uh, women in my life and I talk to them all the time. Like I have one friend who I will just call and be like, "Um, I don't want to yell at my husband, but I need, so I'm just going to tell you what I want to say to him <laughs> so I can get it out and then right. I can just move on with my life because it's not that deep. <laughs> um, and so having, I think especially at that time when you're just like, it's so mm-hmm. easy to just like, or I did, you know, I don't want to talk for you, but for me at that time, because I was just so tired all the time, mm-hmm. it was easy to like squabble. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think having like a, a place to put those feelings that isn't necessarily on your partner is was really helpful for me. I, I think that's really good advice. It's it was really funny when the baby slept through the night for the first time. Um, we literally cheers and we're like, we survived this. You and like we we're still together. We still we love each other more than we did before. And like, um, like we did that. Like, because in the middle of it, like you know he was so amazing he would never like because I was still training to come I mean in my off season kind of first season back after having twins um I'm trying to like train but I'm I was going to the gym at like 8 p.m because I was the one time that like okay the babies are down I can just like go without like needing anything and so it was funny we yeah we cheers because like I was so tired he was so tired um and just you know with two, you're just constantly someone has to do something almost. And then when you're alone, it's like, you know, you every second you're just like on, 
you know, you're just in a high stress level and you know what it's like. Um, yeah. But it was funny. We like cheers. My old, my younger daughter is like a water baby. Like she has loved the water since she was born mm-hmm. and really loves swimming is a really like natural swimmer. Um, but the downside of that is when she was like, once that she could walk, me. she had like a death. I was like, she was convinced that she could swim. And I was like, you don't know how to swim. And you're just going to, she just would try to hurl herself into every pool, every lake. And I was, I was just remembering like she's six now and is a great swimmer. But when she was (laughs) 18 months old, I felt like I was like guarding her like zone defense. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, you're just going to run into this lake and die. (laughs) No, that's. It's not relaxing. The um, my daughter, like I have, um, like in the bath, she likes like if a toy's there, it's like she wants to go so close down. Like she loves the water yeah. too, and she's like splash. Like she's just, and I just see her like zero fear, has no idea like what you know. And I'm like, I, I, I it just stresses me out. Like it's so I, stressful. Yeah. and it was so it was surprising for me because my older daughter was very cautious. Like, she mm. would just kind of, like, crawl up to the water and, like, look at it. And right. so I wasn't prepared for just Heard the, just like, like bye. hurling her body <laughs> everywhere. Just, yeah. So I I my, I my sympathize very deeply. Um, <laughs> but, it again, it does weirdly go by fast. I know. I try to appreciate every, every moment, even when I'm, like, stressed and exhausted. I'm, like, I know – uh, one day, like you're going to be big and not want me to hug you. So I'm going to enjoy this as much as possible right now. Uh, so at the end of every podcast, I always ask like what your mom goal is for the week. So um, if you have any, what is your mom goal for the week? Oh, that's a great question. Um, my older daughter has a little performance of a play that she wrote with her friends mm. tomorrow. Um, no way. And, um, I, I don't know if this is like a goal, but I'm just really looking forward to it. She's really looking forward to it. And so mm. like having that little family moment um, in yeah, terms of, <laughs> no, this was like, and this is a like sort of, I don't know if this is a goal, but like I learned something a little bit this week with her. Um, so my husband had to work late. She often gets frustrated with her math homework and she's like, I hate fractions. I'm like, me too. <laughs> me too. Like, I don't yeah. want to do this either. <laughs> um, and usually her dad helps her with her math homework. And I was like, listen, he's not here. I can't help you. You're going to have to just <laughs> struggle through this on your own. And like, if yeah. you don't get it right, that's fine. I just want you to really try. Mm-hmm. And usually she, she gets frustrated fast and she asks for help in it. And this time she, because no one was there to help her, she just struggled Figured through it. Out. I don't wow. even know if she got it right. But, like, the point didn't is, matter. like, yeah. it didn't matter. Like, I just want her to get comfortable with being frustrated and just, you know, know that she can work through something and that the point is to try her hardest um, and that school is about le- – like, there are so many, like, lessons there. But yeah. I was just, like, it was actually good that – Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't there. And so the goal that I have is to, like, let her do more of that. Like that's awesome. sometimes I think when she asks for help, just be like, I think you can do it on your own. Like you don't need us <laughs> for this. I, like I, I want to see you, Yeah, you know, struggle is sort of the got. wrong yeah. words that has a negative connotation, but like deal with being frustrated and, and that that's okay. 
I love that. Um, yeah, I think I, oh my gosh, I can't even think about getting into math homework. I'd be like, I actually, I literally can't help you. Like, I don't even no. know the, <laughs> I, I physically can't, I'm sorry. It is a humbling <laughs> moment when your elementary school <laughs> child can do harder math than you remember how to do. And I've already reached that point and you know what, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'll help you with English class, but. Yes, oh, yeah. I'm great at history. I can write an essay, social studies, even like biology. I'm great at biology. At your fractions, Math. you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so great, though. And I think it's really important lesson for, I don't know, any mom to kind of try that because I think it's so easy to just like want to help because they're asking for it. And you're yeah. like, you know, and then to just be able to like, no, you got this and to see what, you know, what they do. And I'm sure now she has that confidence to kind of go into it thinking like, all right, I don't need my dad here. I could do it. And my mom will help me with my English and history and <laughs> biology. <laughs> but I think it's also like, I don't know if she got it right. It was just a homework problem. And I think she, I think a lot of girls struggle with sort of perfectionism and it always mm -hmm. has to be perfect. I know she does. I know I did. Um, and I really want her to know that it doesn't have to be. Like the stakes of yeah. getting something wrong on your math homework are low. Right. Like that's what school's for. Don't you wish you knew that? I mean, I didn't know that when I was that age. Oh, I me thought neither. like of it's not. right or wrong, green check, red check. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's very matter of fact. So I it's I think that's great. Like I wish I knew that. <laughs> I know. It's gonna it's hard for her to like she's really competitive. I'm sure you definitely yeah. identify with that <laughs> as a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she's competitive and I don't think that that's bad, but I think where it turns bad sometimes for her is like she's so hard on herself and thinks she has to be perfect and I'm like you don't you really right. don't well it's a great message so good job um, but thank you so much I've learned a lot from you so I appreciate Aww. it yeah my pleasure thank you so much for having me that was a really great conversation with Jessica. Definitely go and check out her book. It is called Screaming on the Inside, The Unsustainability of American Motherhood. My mom goals for this week is to move my baby's cribs from the top floor to our middle floor in the home renting because I'm walking up way too many stairs, way too many times a day, and I need to be ready and recovered and prepared for our first game of the season this weekend against LA. Thank you, everyone. I will see you next week. This has been Mom Goals with Allie Long. Please like, rate, and review. Mom Goals is a gallery media group production.